And we are back with our encounter with God and another clue for the quiz because nobody's got it yet. Indeed. I told you it was a hard one. I'm not playing nice. I don't care this Monday. Come on. What? Okay, so it was a book written by... Do we, we say who it was written by yet? Well, Paul sent this letter to Ephesus. Okay, it says so it Paul was, sent yeah, 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 this yeah, letter yeah, to yeah, Ephesus. It has two, six chapters in it. Oh, sorry. Ooh. Darren, there you go. Now your microphone's on. So, 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 say that again, Darren. I was saying one of those letter books in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for any, if anyone's chapters. wondering, Darren is, is is joining us for the show today, which we are super. We love it when our yeah, guests yeah, 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 absolutely. It was here for the interview and some of the news, and oh, it's all good. Okay, uh, so our fourth clue. What mm. book am I? It's another quote. Mm. This is good, and please God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Oh, that's obscure. And I hate to tell you, but the last clue, which is coming up next, is is probably even more obscure <laughs> than the rest have been. <laughs> ah, we might go. have to make up some extra clues for this one because it's really hard and the clues are so, like, just left field. Yeah, see, I'm sort of thinking, I'm just thinking in my, in my head, I think that there are probably four books in the Bible that were sent to the city of Ephesus. Not four books, but four letters, I should say, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I can think of. I know there's three, but there's probably four. And so that should narrow it a, narrow it down for everybody. I'll be I'm going to be super impressed if someone gets the quiz. And, 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 and it has six chapters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get your Bible out and start looking. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> That's right. We've we've given enough clues away here. We should we should get into talking about the Bible and getting our Bibles out and starting looking. Let's get into our Bibles because we are learning about the Apostle Paul. And let's find out what our subject is all about today. We are up to Acts chapter sixteen. We are marching through the book of Acts. And uh, what an amazing study it is. So Acts chapter 16. And uh, flick, 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 flick over the pages there. Mon, I'm just going to get you to read for us a few of the verses starting in verse 1. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy, You know, you know what my, my translation calls Timothy? What? Timotheus. 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 What Have you translation you I've got the ancient one. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the Timotheus. I've never met a Timotheus. No, maybe we can get that started. I've met lots of Timothys and Tims, but... No I, I know a Timothea. Oh, really? Is it a girl? It's a Greek name, Timothea. She's a friend of mine. Okay. Ah. So, yeah. that, that's, that's a cool name. Yes, yes. So ah. the, the, the feminine version of... Uh, I, you know, I didn't Timothy. know there was a feminine version of Tim. Neither did I. Yeah. That's really cool. I would have thought it was something like Thumbelina or something like that. Okay. <laughs> Timothy You're was making stuff up now. I am. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and in Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In difference to the Jews of the area era sorry, area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised whoa, before whoa, they left. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a Everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Wait a minute. What's going on here? That that sounds messed up. Didn't we is just it, decide it, that circumcision was nonsense? Haven't we had just had a, a whole chapter council? about it? Have a whole debate had, on this thing. In the yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had a whole council. There was a ruling. Uh huh. And here's Paul saying we need to get this done and do it right. And Paul was the one who like rebuked Peter <laughs> to his strong- face. That's right. Ra- in front of everyone. Paul was the strongest on this. Paul, what are you doing? Okay, so is Paul compromising here? It sure sounds is, like is, it. Is, is he doing a Peter? It does sound like it. Although Paul says to become a Greek, I became a Greek. To become a Jew, I became a Jew. Um, you know, I mean, he, he, he identifies with 
the population he's going to go to. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is something to do with that, is that in order for Timothy to be accepted, mm-hmm. this needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's a little bit like, um, and, and I'll try and bring out a couple of um, <clears throat> maybe hypothetical examples, but say, Mon, if you were called to be a missionary to Iran. Okay. Uh, to be accepted there uh-huh. and for people to take you seriously, uh-huh. you need to wear a headscarf. Okay. Now, here in Australia, we, th- we think, no, there's no way in a million years would I wear a headscarf. You know, that's demeaning to women. It's demeaning to men. It's, you know, we, we, we're not so much into that. Um, but uh, maybe maybe it's a little bit like that. Is it, what's it, what else is interesting here is that this is not Paul writing. Mm-hmm. Paul, and so we can't accuse Paul of you know writing it to sort of you know flavor favor favor himself. This is Luke who is writing, writing about Paul, about yeah. Paul. So Luke is looking on, and so Luke is saying this is what Paul did. And unlike what you have in the you know the dissension between Peter and Paul over the issue of circumcision and you know Jews and Gentiles here. You have it being seen in a favourable light. So, what what takes place here is seen in a favourable light. I still think it sounds hypocritical. I th- I still think if he's if he's like, do you know what? He just made all this, you know. I know we just had the whole Jerusalem council. Whole was thing like, about it, and then he's saying, oh, actually, you'll massive, be you'll be better accepted issue. if you're. And then you've got all of this stuff all through Paul, Paul's um, Paul's writings that um, that uh, you know. But if he thinks, where he's, if he he's, thinks he's talking about the unnecessity of circumcision, yeah, yeah, and if he if he thinks that um, he's going to be, be, you know, that Timothy's going to be better accepted in these in, on these mission trips if he's circumcised, why doesn't he bring the 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 news of the church council's decision to these places so that they don't have this prejudice towards Timothy? But, but it's, it's not really good himself; point. it's Timothy he's thinking about. He remember Timothy was fairly young, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, so often when you're young starting out, you want to be accepted and get it. Right, so mm-hmm. imagine if a young Tim comes in and everyone knows he's Greek, and then they know he's uncircumcised. He's off to a bad start before he even starts preaching. So I think Paul's trying to give Timothy the best start possible mm-hmm. in, in discipling him to to be the next um, preacher. Yeah. To so, the Jews. so you say that they're, they're gonna they're gonna not take him seriously because his daddy's a Greek. Okay. And so to sort of prove that he's serious about this, he has to go and get circumcised. And P.S. How does how does anyone know whether or not they're circumcised unless like they talk about it or they check? It's, it's just so weird. You imagine <laughs> having some missionaries turn up in your town, you know, Paul and Timothy, and they're like, okay, oh, we can tell by the way they're walking. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> I am baffled by this situation. Yeah, I have a big thing. <laughs> going too far, going but too the, far. But, but is that is that what it is? Like, is he trying to prove that he's in it for serious by getting by getting circumcised? I have to admit, it did go through my mind. Is like, why can't you just turn up in the synagogue and say, "Yeah, I'm circumcised," and you know, no one will know. No one, no one's going to know. But just, why is it even conversation? They like, I thought we'd done away with it. Okay, so here's the clue to understanding the whole thing. You, 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 you I love your passion on this mind, but here's the clue. What it comes down to is who Paul and Barnabas were ministering to in the lead up to Acts chapter 15 and who Paul and Timothy are ministering to in the context of this chapter here. Okay. And in the lead up to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas are ministering to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. There is no impediment impediment to them ministering to the Jews because they are Jews. They have been circumcised, and when they go into a Jewish synagogue, they are accepted as Jews. Yeah, 
Okay, so they, they are able to go into a synagogue. They are able to then sit down and have a discussion. And, you know, the synagogues were great because, they, you know, it was almost like having a small group discussion in many ways. That all Everybody would sit around and talk about the Word of God. And it was fantastic. Uh, so they're able to do that. However, Timothy is a young man. He wants to be a missionary. Yeah. And to be a missionary in those days, you had to be able to witness to both Jews and Gentiles. He's qualified to minister to Gentiles. There's no problem with him ministering to Gentiles whatsoever at all. The church, the Christian church, has no problem with him ministering to Gentiles and has no problem with him being a Gentile because the Jerusalem Council has cleared that up. Mm-hmm. The problem is not with the Christian church. The problem is not with the Gentiles. The problem is with the Jews who've placed up this wall and the only way that he can get through that wall the only possible way you can get through that wall is by being circumcised. Doesn't that make it worthwhile? Yeah. So, okay. So what you're saying is this is not, this is like he's doing it to reach the Jews who haven't acquiesced to the idea of not needing circumcision anymore. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Smart move. Smart move. In the same way that if you were ministering in Iran or some other Middle Eastern country, you would wear a headscarf, maybe even a burqa, mm-hmm. so that you could minister to those people. Yeah, you know it's not necessary to Christianity, um, and I would say it's almost you know it, it, it's and it's not necessary to you know to you know ministering here in Australia, but in that country it would be necessary to your ministry to do so. Because even though I don't believe in wearing a burqa, it's not big enough of an issue. Like yeah, the bigger wrong. issue, the bigger <laughs> issue is winning souls. Yeah, it's not breaking yeah. the gospel That's un- right. yeah. unimpeded. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's bigger fish to fry than burqa, yeah. and it's not morally wrong to be circumcised. Yeah. So there are there are you know bigger okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay bigger gotcha. fish to fry as I say yeah that's right <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think that I think that uh, that summarises it quite well there and it opens up a whole door. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so right on the back of this story of the Jerusalem Council, we have Luke continuing with his story of the history of the Christian Church. Paul and Barnabas, he he mentions Paul and Barnabas splitting up and going separate directions. He then immediately follows Paul. He skips over, you know, everything that takes place in uh, in, uh, Lystra and Iconium and goes straight to the issue of Timothy's circumcision. It's almost like as if we've had the Jerusalem Council. The next thing that I'm now going to talk about is Timothy's circumcision. There's a couple of details I need to give you to show why it happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you look at this whole passage in context, you can see that what Luke is trying to accomplish is he's trying to continue this discussion and now bring a certain level of balance into it. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, it it could be taken like as if, you know, the whole... uh, so you know the whole circumcision has become evil. Gone, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And no, circumcision hasn't become evil. And I think he makes that point um, that point quite well here. Okay, so here's a, here's a question for us all to think about. Think about why Paul circumcised Timothy. What should this teach us about being willing to do certain things that we might not always agree with or deem necessary? But will serve a greater cause. Oh, that's that's a curly that's one. That's a heavy one. <laughs> that is a huge serving of humble pie. Okay. Yeah, because like I mean, if I had to wear a burqa, 
I I'd really have to I'd really have to, I'd have to humble myself. <laughs> you would have to have a very clear call from God, like yeah. a, a bolt of lightning and a uh-huh. voice from the sky, kind uh-huh. of thing. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to you'd, you'd have to put yourself aside. Yeah. To do you know what you got to do? It's you know for positive benefits in the long run, but mm-hmm. for like a reaping of the harvest. Should we always use opportunities to make a stand? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So I've ministered amongst cultures that see Christmas as wrong. Mm-hmm. This is a cultural thing. Yes. Uh, I think it's like Eastern Europeans. Some, some Eastern Europeans see Christmas as wrong and they won't have a bar of it and they're like, no, this is, this is, is steeped in paganism. This is the birthday of Tammuz and so we will have nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever at all. If I moved to that country and I was ministering in that country, should I make a stand and have a Christmas tree in my home covered with Christmas, you know, uh, coloured lights and balls and all this kind of stuff, um, and, and, and put it in the church, the church pastor put it in right there in the church, um, because I believe that Christmas is a great opportunity to share Jesus with the community. I think you need to pick your battles. I think that one you might lose a battle pretty quickly. You'll lose your influence, I think. Yeah. Um, like, is it really that important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it depends on what the principle is. Like, for me, yeah. if I went somewhere and they said, well, you don't keep the Sabbath here, well, hang on. That's something I believe in very firmly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll keep it no matter what. So it depends on the principle. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, I think the difference here is the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. And so there's some things that, yes, we're definitely going to make a stand on, regardless of what takes place and regardless of the culture that's around us, and other things that are cultural. That's right. So, I mean, in our mind, we've got to work out, okay, is this something that I'm, I'm going to be a Daniel on and stand alone on, or is it something that um, I can give on this point in order to, to preach the gospel to these people? And that's, mm. that's, that's the constant tension you need to hold yourself in when you go into a culture. Yeah. Um, what, what is salt? And, and and can permeate and what is something that you hold on to that says no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is me I can't compromise on this point sure. I think this comes back to you know within Christendom we have that saying about being a stumbling block mm-hmm. and I think if you know if you went to this culture where they're so up in arms about Christmas and you tried to force a Christmas tree into their church I think you would be being a stumbling block because I'd be so alarmed and irate and they would very quickly lose focus of um you know of maybe what you were trying to do with your with your with your ministry you know of Jesus I'd lose yes. focus of that because I'd be so it just incensed and just consumed by this whole Christmas, you know, thing, which isn't really a salvational, you know, issue at all. Like you didn't have to bring that up, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. Is Christmas necessary to salvation? Is no. Christmas necessary to being a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, celebrate no. it. Don't celebrate it. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, celebrating Christ's birth, I think, is an important thing to do, but you can do that any time of the year. Exactly, because we have no idea, idea when he was born. Yeah, yeah. That's right, you that's know. right. Uh, and, you know, there's no question that um, December 25 was celebrated long before Jesus was ever mm-hmm. born as, a, as mm-hmm. a pagan holiday. We're not trying to dispute that at all. I'll give you another example. I used to be involved in a ministry that was, um, you know, supported by a lot of very conservative people, and we were looking for a new office. As we were looking around, we actually came across a small church that was not being used. And we thought, oh, this would be perfect for our office. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a church and we're running a Christian ministry and this kind of thing. So we rented this little church. You know, we're talking about churches that are empty a little while back. And this was one of your, your classic little empty church. Rented this church. And then some people got upset because there was a cross on it. 
And like, oh, the cross is a is a is a pagan symbol, oh, and the cross is. Yes. It, it was a pagan symbol long before Jesus. This is the whole point of why mm-hmm. Satan hung Jesus on a cross. It was mm-hmm. it was Satan's thing. It was his Satan's Satan's way of stating, "I win." And so we, yeah, this is actually a, a more obscure one, and you might not have ever come across this, but we had some people who got upset. Really. And my reply was, okay, think about this. Think about the message that it sends to the community if I take the cross down. Yeah. <laughs> I take the cross down. <laughs> it's okay. Non-Christians have now moved in. I'm proclaiming myself as yes. a non-Christian yep. uh-huh. by doing so. Uh-huh. That's exactly what you'd be saying. Yep. And in some ways, we look at the cross, well, Jesus turned that symbol on its head by dying. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the whole point of the cross, right there. You know, it's, Jesus has taken. You know, Satan's got, Satan's gone. You know what? I'm going to take my most powerful symbol and I'm going to kill God on my most powerful symbol. It's a you know, and, and he's making a symbolic statement of his power. And Jesus says, "Okay, let me take your most powerful symbol. Let me die on it, and, and let me turn that, that into a symbol of my complete victory over mm-hmm. Satan." But you look at the Bible, and anything Jesus touches, he turns it and, make, and makes it what, what should be unclean, clean. That's just yeah. Jesus. So. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess sure. the ba- the balance here, just coming back to the original, the balance here is so is so key because you know, first of all, like you know, like with your your example of the Christmas in this community where it was you know hated, it's is it's not enough of an issue to you know it's too it's too it's too sensitive of a topic to push it. You don't want to you know yep. distract from your ministry. But the other hand, you don't want to be so subjective to every you know offended millennial who's going to be like, oh no, <laughs> the cotton wool is gone and real life is staring me in the face. That you you you're constantly being snow, controlled by snowflakes. people. Yeah, by, by snowflakes. Like there has to be a there has to be a balance. The gospel's got to retain Most its definitely. power, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think where yeah. Wise as um, serpents and harmless as doves type of thing. That's, yeah. that's, and also Paul's idea, again, saying to the Greek, I became a Greek, to the Jew, I became a Jew in order to to preach Christ and to mm-hmm. preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that's the principle that's got to come here is that how much can we come into culture and accept it to preach Christ mm-hmm. and what things do we need to reject in order to preach Christ? Yeah. And that's the, the balancing act you play anywhere you go. Yeah. And I think having a relationship with Christ, a personal relationship, is key because you need his help to navigate this kind of stuff. Mm, mm, most definitely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, oh, we could talk about all kinds of issues on this one, like you know, we could get into music. Should we, should we, should we talk about that one? <laughs> oh, that's a whole new hour. <laughs> I don't think we have a big enough can opener for that particular can of worms. <laughs> if you've got some thoughts on this, don't, uh, don't be scared to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. We'd love to hear from you guys and hear what you've got to say on all these um, subjects. Something else that I wanted to highlight here, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. This is going to highlight for us something that I think a lot of people, a situation that a lot of people find themselves in, and uh, you as our listener may find yourself in this situation today. Mon, could you read that one for us, please, there in verse 15? Sure thing. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Okay, so... um, who is Paul writing to here? Uh, is he writing to the church at Ephesians? No, I just look at the top at top, 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 top of your page. I'm looking at the top of my page. <laughs> and there's a, name, there's a name there. Oh, it's Ma- written to Timothy. Yeah. So the, sorry. 
<laughs> you're, you're getting confused with uh, who it is and where he lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, let's not go into that in um, too much detail right now because it's actually very relevant to today's um, some of today's discussions. Mm. <coughs> anyway, moving on from there, we'll, we'll <laughs> continuing on with this theme. We're going to talk about Timothy being raised in a home where his mother was a godly person, where his grandmother was a godly person. And his father was not. Mm. And how do you deal with that kind of home situation? We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. This is uh, Andrew Peterson with The 90 and 9. Shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains, wild and bare, away.
That was Andrew Peterson with the 90 and 9. Tiddly dee potatoes. What? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what, was that little, what was that last little bit that was there? That was super Irish, little jig. Very Celtic. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that you were enjoying that one, Mon. Just yeah, dancing yeah. the jig here in the studio almost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. We have uh, Darren Pratt joining us today, and we always enjoy it when Darren's able to join us, and we're in the middle of our encounter with God section, so uh, we should continue on. We were talking about, we started to talk about this situation where the Bible says that Timothy had been taught the scriptures from a young age. Uh, both his mother and his grandmother were very, very godly women, and his father was not. Okay, so here you've got this, this conflict in the home. It gives you a little bit of an insight into what may have been happening there because you've got you know a mixed marriage. You, clearly the mother being a Jewess wants to have her son circumcised. Mm-hmm. You know, the father being a Greek puts his it's foot like, down. Don't like, worry this about is, it. This is barbaric. <laughs> We're not going to go there. The father wins in this situation. Uh, but why find that ultimately a faithful mother raises her son to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen? Mm. What does this tell us about families? You're, 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 uh, Darren, you're, this is an area of your expertise. What does this tell us about families, Well, Darren? this is an interesting scenario, but it's also one that we find often common um, as well is, is mm-hmm. the idea of family, and especially when family um, have differences of opinion between mm-hmm. parents, um, whether it's a, a broken home or a home where, where two have gone in different directions and kids are going between the two, um, all these dilemmas get created. Mm. Um, but research says that children are more likely to adopt the faith of their parents and, and research is coming back saying especially the fathers. So, so That's this is interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. So, so this is actually the opposite of what the research this is the this is not the norm. It's not we, the norm. This is something outside what the research is saying currently about how faith is passed on. So what does this what does this what does this then say to uh, mothers of children who, you know, in a, in a divided home or a home that is broken up where the husband has, you know, is not a follower of God? That could be very discouraging. What does this say to parents like that? To to, to particularly to the mother. Well, I think it's saying that that nothing Nothing can um, stop the faithfulness of a faithful mother um, going through those motions and those rituals and practices that are important. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing gets in the way of that. Nothing can take that away. So, mm-hmm. so being faithful despite what's going on around you, even if it is your own partner, um, wins out in the end by the look of this. And you never know, but your faithfulness, even though it may not look so, you know, initially, may, resent old, may, may, may end up with your child becoming one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. Mm. That's right. And we need some of those today. We <laughs> certainly do. We need some more Timothys in our world today. And, of course, Timothy was a young man. He was probably 17, 18 years old by the time he was uh, pastoring a very significant church. And, uh, and and God was using him in very, very powerful ways. Well, what it says to me also here is not just the faithful mother, it's also the faithful mentors that come in as well. Yes, oh, very much so. That's interesting, isn't it? Let, uh, expand a little bit more on what's happening in this story here with that. Well, well, when research can say that when you do have these things going on with, with broken homes or, or different traditions um, colliding, mm-hmm. if you can bring some significant mentors into the life of that child, um, it makes a huge difference as well. Um, one extra can make a big difference, but five um, extras make a huge 
difference in the life of our children. And so it's really significant that when this is going on that we put those mentors into place in our kids' lives. Okay, so now we have a message that goes out to you know every person who is a member of a church where there are children present the importance of being a mentor to the Be children. the village, as I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the church can be that village. And I think when you look at the story of Timothy, mm-hmm. it wasn't just um, his mother, it was his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and grandparents have a, a huge role to play in, in passing on faith. So don't think that your job's finished when you um, raise your kids because you've got the next generation, which is even more important mm-hmm. as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. But then these mentors that come in to mentor Timothy play a huge role in, in setting his life trajectory as well. So so it says a lot about parenting and mentoring and putting those significant people in place for our kids. And really the books of First and Second Timothy are books, letters of a uh, of a mentor to somebody who you know, Paul is mentoring. Yeah, and, and look at what happened out of that. Look, oh. look at the great person Timothy became. Yeah. Um, because Paul said, I'm going to stand up this guy no matter what and I'm going to put him on a, on a path. That, that he can't turn from because God's taken that path and, and look out world. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And what a powerful impact the gospel had there, you know, in that church that Timothy was ministering in. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of very encouraging things here that we can uh, glean from this, just the fact that Timothy was uncircumcised, so we see that it was a divided home, and yet he became one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. And so if you come from a divided home or if you are a parent and your home is divided, don't be discouraged by that. It says to me, don't give up as a parent. Um, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, your job is never done. It's inscribing every single day like into a rock. You just keep inscribing and chipping mm. away. Mm. As a parent on your worst days, realize that you're still inscribing. You're still making a difference. So don't ever give up on your kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, let's go to Acts chapter, where were we, 16, and we'll continue reading here. You know, you get these little snippets, and there's such important lessons that come out of them. There's a whole there's a whole sermon on mentorship right here, I can see, just sort of coming out of, you know, this two verses, one in the book of Acts, one in the book of Timothy, t- telling about Timothy's, um, his, 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 his background and where he came from. And I just, I just think the obvious thing that we need to add, of course, is, um, you know, while there is encouragement for people who are in a um, split home, whether or not they're a parent or a child, is, uh, is to follow the Bible's advice to begin with and don't create split homes. Uh, by becoming unequally yoked. That would be oh, ideally absolutely. absolutely. Path, if you yeah. are in a relationship with somebody who, if you are a Christian and you are in a relationship with somebody who is not a Christian, my advice is get, out. get on the phone right now. Yep. Yep. Break it off. Just end it right now. I have seen this. Uh, just the, the, If you could only see mm. the level of disaster that mm-hmm. I have seen that has come from yep. these kinds of relationships, you would not hesitate in breaking off that relationship, and you can see right here in the Bible that you know they have this this you know it's come to a, it's come to a head with with uh, with Timothy here, and you know the issues between you know what's obviously happened been the result of a, a mixed home, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, yeah the, the Bible is very clear about it so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword here. You don't don't get in first place, but if you do find yourself yeah. in this, that's right. Reason, and, and, and a lot of people are, but God can still use that for Absolutely. amazing purposes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so it's a both end. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we can we got a couple more verses here. Let's finish off some of these real quick in our last couple of minutes. Mon, keep going for us. Uh, Acts 16 verse 4 verse four. then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem so the church churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day 
Now, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. If you actually put this on a map and see where they are going, you can see that Paul tries to go to the left, he tries to go to the right, and every time he tries to go somewhere, the Holy Spirit's like, no. Mm -hmm. He tries to go somewhere else, the Holy Spirit's no. It's you almost feel like Paul is being funneled in a direction, a little bit like you know when you're rounding up cattle and the cattle want to go everywhere, uh-huh. and you want them to go into the stockyards, and you've got you know you've, you've basically got fences that create a bit of a funnel, and you get them into that funnel, and it's just like directing him one way, one way, one way, one way, and it's becoming you know it's vague to him, and he, you know, and the closer he gets to it, the clearer it becomes until he ends up in the port city of Troas, and that's where he receives the call to take the gospel to Europe. So now the gospel is leaving Asia for the first time and now it is heading into Europe and that's where our story is going to pick up tomorrow. Oh, how exciting. Stay tuned. We have uh, our question of the day coming up and some more prizes for these quizzes.
me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the brokenhearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Give me your eyes, Lord, give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your heart Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Welcome back to Faith FM. Let me hit you with another clue for this quiz. It is going begging. It is so hard. What book am I? Qualifications for overseers and deacons are discussed in the third chapter of this book. Mm, if you know what that is, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Lyle. Yes, Mon. It is question of the day time. It is question of the day time. And I'm busily flicking through my Bible trying to find answers right here because Get this is a big kipper. one. Okay. okay, this one's coming from... Oh, I've forgotten his name. I'm so sorry. Was it Ian? I can't no, remember. No, it wasn't Ian. It was somebody else. Okay, I can't remember. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I can't remember your name. But this question is coming from a listener. The question is... Who is Michael the Archangel? That's a really good question. The reason that this question is often asked... Philip. Philip asked the question. Thank you, Philip. Okay. I remembered. The reason this question is often asked is because there are some people who say that Michael the Archangel is Jesus Christ, and there are others who say that it's not Jesus Christ, and people get really emotional over the answer to this question. One of the reasons they get emotional is that there are those who believe that if you say Michael the Archangel is Jesus Christ, that is another way of saying that Jesus is a created being. So before we have any discussion whatsoever at all, we need to make this abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you one verse. This is Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17. In one verse, you can settle this issue. The Bible says, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him All things consist. The Bible makes it absolutely, totally clear that Jesus has existed before everything. That means that Jesus has never had a beginning. That means that Jesus is sovereign God, ruler and creator of the universe who has existed from eternity and will exist for eternity. Okay, so we're clear on that? Yes, sir. Good. I'm I'm glad we're clear on that. The next thing we need to notice is this. The Bible says, well, in the Bible we have the word angel, which comes from the Greek word 
angelos, which means messenger. So this helps us to understand who the archangel or greatest messenger is. So the word angelos means messenger. Most of the time it's referred to as a referring to a created being, an angel from heaven who is a messenger from heaven. Ministering spirits, the Bible describes them in Hebrews 1 verse 13. Not always. King David is referred to as an angel in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is referred to as an angel. And the reason that they are called an angel, your uh, seven angels to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 1, the reason that they are called angels is that they are human beings, but they are a messenger. So the word messenger can be applied more broadly than just a spirit being from heaven. Okay. Now if we go back to Genesis chapter 48. Mm-hmm. And there are many similar passages to this. I'm just going to give you a few a few um, basic ones. In verse 16, the Bible says, The angel which redeemed me. Now, we don't need to read any further. In fact, you go back and read the context yourself. It's a great chapter. But here we find there is an angel who has the power of redemption. How many redeemers do we have, Mon? One. Just one. Yeah, one. Only Jesus Christ. He's the only person who gave his life for us. Mm-hmm. There is only one Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And his name is Jesus Christ. Therefore, we know that this one right here is Jesus Christ himself and is referred to as the angel. Mm-hmm. Once again, you go to Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 1 to 4, you find the angel of the Lord is in the bush that is on fire. The angel of the Lord then proclaims himself as the great I am, the self-existent one, who Jesus then claims in John chapter 8 as being himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we find that there is no there is no impediment to calling Jesus an angel. Calling Jesus an angel does not make him a created being. It makes him a messenger. That's all. It doesn't make him any less powerful. doesn't make him any less powerful. doesn't make him any less God. doesn't diminish him in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. It simply shows another aspect of who he is. Like all of the names and titles that Jesus have give you a different aspect as to who he is. Okay, Okay, so we've got that settled. Yep, settled. Good. All right, how are we doing for time? We've got a bit more left. Let's look at then what we know about Michael. And there are two key things that we know about Michael. Number one is that it is Michael who raises the dead. And number two, it is Michael who is the general of the armies of heaven. Okay. So in Jude chapter 1, because there is only one chapter, and verse 7, we find this insightful little passage here speaking about Moses. We know Moses was resurrected because he was on the mountain of transfiguration. And it was Michael who contended with the devil about the body of Moses. And it was Michael who used the words, The Lord rebuke you. Now those are the words that Jesus says to Satan in the book of Zechariah. And so these are the words of Jesus himself that are being used right here. If we go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, we find that it is Michael and the voice of Michael that raises the dead to life. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And notice what the Lord has. The Bible says the Lord has a shout, the Lord has a trumpet, and the Lord, that's Jesus, has the voice of Michael the archangel. In other words, his voice is the voice of Michael the Archangel. That means that he is Michael the Archangel who raises the dead back to life. 
Of course, if you want to clarify that even further, you simply go to the Gospel of John and you ask the question, okay, whose voice is it that brings the dead back to life? Because Second Thess- sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 makes it clear that it is the voice of Michael the archangel that brings them back to life. In John chapter 5, verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his, Jesus' voice and come out of the graves. And so here the Bible is describing uh, Michael the Archangel as another name or another title for Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this for a moment. If you are going to say, because the word Ark means greatest, if you are going to say that there is somebody other than Jesus Christ who is Michael, then what you are saying is that there is someone other than Jesus Christ who is greater, a greater messenger than Jesus Christ. Mm-mm. There is no greater messenger Mm-mm. than Jesus Christ. No way. That, that, that's, that's not a, 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 that is diminishing to Jesus Christ to say that it is possible for anyone else to be Michael the Archangel. Okay, so we've got a couple of other uh, verses here we can look at. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Revelation 12 and verse 7 tells us another aspect of who Michael is. So Revelation 12, verse 7, the Bible says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Notice who it is who expels Satan from heaven. It is Michael who does that, and God is the only one who has the authority to do so, and it is Michael who is leader of the angels of heaven. This is Jesus Christ. Very clearly. You see, if you go, if you go, to, if you go to the book of Joshua, just in case, just in case you need clarification on who this is that is throwing Satan out of heaven, this is not a created being that's throwing Satan out of heaven. This is God. Who is it who is general of the armies of heaven? In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13 through, sorry, verse 12 uh, through 14 through 16, yeah, through 15, you have the story of Joshua who meets the general of God's army and the general that Joshua meets is Jesus Christ himself. Everything that there is in the Bible points to Michael the Archangel being another title, another name for who Jesus Christ is. We're going to move on. This is David Barnes. There's a mountain here before me And I'm going to climb it with strength not my own And he's going to meet me where the mountain beats me and carry me through and carry me through yeah. and there's a river here before me and I'm on cross with strength on my own he's gonna save me Oh, oh, oh. 
You're you're listening to David Barnes with Carry Me Through here on Faith FM, and we do have somebody who had the correct answer. We've had they've used up up their prize for the month, but yeah, um, we've had a couple of we have a couple of listeners who know the answer to the prize, but um, to the quiz. But uh, we only give out a prize once a month. Yeah, uh, but congratulations because Mary Holland actually and Zainab. Oh yeah, Zainab actually got it off the first clue. Oh, you're joking me? Yeah, Zainab is Zainab is fire, man. She is. I, I would. I would not like to play Bible trivia with these people. <laughs> I, I would be eating humble pie in large spoonfuls. So go for it, ladies. Fantastic to hear from you guys, and we always love it when you call in, even when you are not eligible for the for the prize. So the prize is still out there. Yeah, the, pr- the, the prize is still going. Begging, if you know the answer to the quiz today, give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. I'm going to put up all the clues on our Instagram. I'm just going to take a picture of the quiz card and just put it up there so you can read it over and over. In the meantime, we have a giveaway that you don't need to send any answers to. Just be the first person to call us now on 1-800-FAITH-FM and we will send you a free copy of the book, Real Peace, Real Answers. Yeah, so if you enjoy getting doing question time and having Bible answers to Bible questions, then... This is going to give you some Bible answers to all kinds of real questions. Yes, this book offers words of help and hope to all who are seeking to understand. Here you will find an introduction to a God of love, a God who has outlined a plan to save humans from pain and death. There are also meaningful, deeply meaningful questions and clear answers straight out of the Bible. This book was written by E.G. White, who's a wonderful author. And uh, of course, we'll send it to you completely free. Just be the first person to call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. One of the most prolific female authors of all time and a resident of this area right here for many years in the Lake Macquarie area. Indeed. Uh, bringing lots of uh, industry and uh, yeah, just an amazing, amazing person uh, to the local area. Enjoy the rest of the show. We'll be back again tomorrow morning as always with another program.
Oh, captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor. Free yourself from the chains around your neck. Shake off your dust, clothe yourself in strength. Arise, arise, O glorious sun, and walk no more in the shadow. The Lord, your Maker, has called you by name. Lift up your head, clothe yourself in strength.